with the stigmas and the machoism and, and all that, the warrior. Yeah, it's a tough sport. And I, and I think it should remain a tough sport. I don't think we should take that out of football. I think it's, that's beautiful actually. But I also think that there is a, a, a better way. And I, and I think we're getting there um, to portray that to our young men um, and, and young women to an extent, but majority for the young, the young, the young males in, that play this sport. Katie Utley, founder of Tackle It Health and Wellness Society, tackleit.org, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we have another episode of The Talk, today featuring Katie Utley. You may know her from her work with Canada Football Chat, but she is here today to talk about her new project, the Tackle It, the nonprofit organization that you're running. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. No, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned it from the jump, the connection we're making, bringing you in with the series of interviews we're doing about mental health and football and sports in general. And then your this new project of yours, Tackle It. Um, why don't I just pass it over to you, kind of let folks know who might not be familiar with the work you've been doing in, in the past year or so, uh, what Tackle It's all about. Sure. Yeah, so Tackle It is, um, well, Tackle It Health and Wellness Society is a nonprofit, like you said, um, run out of BC here. And um, it's fairly new in its, its uh, infancy. It's uh, We started it in June, or I started it in June 2020, out of the fact that uh, through my, you know, just my work in the high school, you know, somewhat university football scene, um, as far as I know, I've, well, in January, from January, 2020, there was at that time about eight uh, kids who had either passed by suicide or um, passed away unexpectedly via drugs or addiction or that type of thing. And um, since, since I had started that, and you know, we're now up to about 17 or uh, 18 kids, players, um, and f- for those of you who have listened to uh, my pad- podcast, telling their stories, um, my own story is on there, but um, suicide is something that um, touches me very deeply in the, in the sense that I, I too was, went down that path. And uh, f- I mean, fortunately I'm, I'm here today to, to tell that story and to try and help others. But um, I think it's just something that really spoke to me and um, Dayton Varga out of Saskatchewan actually was, the, um, the young fellow who uh, really grabbed my heart. Uh, he was a Team Sask player, he's 15 years old, and he passed away uh, last January. And uh, Jen Varga, his mom, came on to our podcast and, and just, you know, shared with us uh, such a bittersweet story of Dayton and, and um, just made it real uh, evident to me how much our, our young athletes are suffering. And um, so I really got it in the bee in my bonnet to uh, start this quest of trying to get better resources out there via whether that was just um, basic knowledge and and you know, a website that we have tacklet.org that kind of weeds out some of the the resources because it's quite immense if you just go on a, a government of Canada page. Um, so whether it was just via that or through these podcasts, and then we also have these tackle talks once a month from, you know, more prominent members of the football community that share their stories and experiences with mental health or illness. Um, 
either personally or by, by people that they've walked beside for that. And so really my, my whole point of, of the organization is, um, or the society is to just get keep people talking uh, outside of one day a year um, and just really see what's at the crux of the problem for coaches and players. Because um, I think the more we know, the more we can narrow down what needs to be done and how we can help them further. So that's really the, the, the thing with it. I mean, there's some other things in the works of, you know, trying to develop online module tools or um, just partnering with other various groups to, again, just try and get these resources to the people who need it. So that's sort of how, what, where it's coming from and how it started. Well, I mean, the way you describe it, obviously it sounds like an excellent resource that you're putting out for uh, student athletes. Um, you know, you've been involved with Canadian football for, you know, the better part of the, the 2010s sort of seeing, uh, you know, how it developed with the time you spent with Canada football chat. And obviously, you know, mental health isn't necessarily the, the main focus of, of what, you do with CFC, but being that close to the game, no doubt you've perhaps seen how um, that is is sort of dealt with. When you kind of look at in the year you spent now developing Tackle It to sort of how you've seen mental health be addressed in football over the past decade, do you see it in a place that has shown improvement or that it's moving in the right, dire- right direction? I think it's, I definitely think it's moving in the right direction in the sense of it's becoming more in the forefront um, you know, when cancer first came out, it didn't, it didn't just happen overnight, um, in terms of, you know, wearing the pink and all the, all the resources that now are funded towards it. And, and now if you get breast cancer, like you have a fantastic, um, uh, prognosis, whereas when it first started, you didn't. So I, I, I'm, and by no means am I comparing the two, um, in terms of their diagnosis, but I'm just saying that, you know, as we become more aware of um, certain mental illnesses um, and then also mental health and, tr- and trends that, that are affecting people. I think that if we can funnel more, more money and resources towards that, um, I think it will get better. That being said, there is a whole lot more that needs to be done. And um, I, don't, I don't know if we're doing a great job of that yet. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of talk going on. Um, but I mean, you got to start somewhere, right. And including myself, our, we're just talking, but you know, we're trying to develop resources and that takes time. And that also takes people who are on board with you in that. Um, so it's, you know, money becomes an issue, but it also is just people believing that it is a real thing and that it's not, um, with football specifically, it's such a macho sport that it's taken seriously and not, just swept under the rug. Um, and you, you mentioned something there about um, money becoming an issue um, and not to go into to major details, but do you personally think, or from experiences you've had that like schools have the ability to possibly, and I'm just looking at uh, post-secondaries in general, have the ability to maybe, uh, you know, allocate funds for some of these resources, some of these counseling, some of these, you know, speakers coming in um, just, from, from my personal, you know, I always see them as a business and they make millions of dollars a year. I feel like if they truly care about their students that they can, you know, find some money to, to do some good, we'll say. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, uh, from, from past experience, um, I do, there is money available and, um, 
You know, I think it really depends on what the athletic department is prioritizing. Um, I have seen in various places where certain um, gear, clothing funds are larger than what they would spend on a mental health resource. So, I mean, not to say that that's not needed that year, but I think that maybe you could scale that back and, and divert some of those funds into something more important like mental health, in my opinion. Um, I also know that at the end of the fiscal year, there is money left over that, that certain areas of the departments have not used. You know, maybe they come together and they, they collect that money and they use that for the following year and that gets built into the budget. I really think that there is, I know there is money left over and I know that there is a lot of wasted money that goes on at post-secondary universities. Um, so I think it just really takes somebody who's dedicated and is willing to, um, for lack of a better word, like just buck the system, I guess, and, and say, this is important. This is what's needed. And in the long run, this is actually going to benefit us. So that I do, I do think that there is more that they can do with their funds and their budgets. Yes. Well, and in some ways, you know, I kind of want to pick up on a few things you've touched on in there. As you kind of mentioned, sometimes it takes that trendsetter and with, you know, with social media comes so much, you know, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of everything in between, but especially the way team schools can, you know, kind of promote themselves and put their brand up. If a school takes the initiative, takes the lead on something, that's a complete and that no other school's doing. That's just, that people are going to see that. People are going to be aware that this is the spot that, you know, made this a priority. And I think touching on something you mentioned about whether teams are allocating funds to the right spots or what's the right place to put funds or, or what have you, kind of comes down to this question of, of priorities and mm -hmm. of gaining exposure, which you touched on as well. Now, and when we talk about mental health, a lot of times one of the first steps, as simple as it seems to be, can be just that speaking up about it. So while perhaps, as you mentioned, us just talking about it maybe isn't going to make the biggest difference, but it's emblematic of something that is so important in this conversation. But you also mentioned the, the macho-ness of, of the game, this game of football, which then for young men, having these kind of conversations with one another or even with a, a mentor of some kind can be so difficult. Is that a, a particular barrier in what you've seen with Tacklet in terms of with young men kind of being wired the way they can be? that that makes it perhaps even more difficult and, and perhaps ways that you or any of the resources you've come across have tried to take that into consideration in how to try and affect change. Yeah, like I, I, think, I really think that, um, you know, from the people that I've been speaking with across the country, both young and old, and from, you know, the high school level all the way up to the pros, um, you know, a common theme that has been coming through is obviously relationships and the relationship with the coach. And I think that um, in terms of the machoism and the, maybe the stigma, it really depends on who your coach is. Um, you can have a total, a, a really tough coach who models um, vulnerability and that's, that's strong. Like that's not a weakness in my eyes. However, some um, some coaches, maybe more the older sect of coaches, um, they a, don't know how to do that themselves, how to model that behavior, because that's not how they were brought up. Um, or B, they just don't think that it's it's as serious as as it is. 
um, they do think that it's mental weakness. And I think there's a, there's a, a lot of confusion with young players in that. Um, they can't really dis they can't separate the two um, in their minds. Um, and I think that what if coaches can model the correct behavior, I shouldn't say correct behavior, if they can model um, just really good communication with their players and that confusion is lifted and they see that it's it's not about being macho and it's not about, you know, playing through the injuries and, and, you know, they're scared that if they say something, they might get benched or they're not going to get playing time or, you know, though, where those consequences in their heads are taken away because the coach has said to them, that's not what we're about. Then I think that eliminates a lot of that, but that all comes down to their relationship they have with the coach um, or the support person, whoever it is that they're around. And so I think that it's really important um, with the stigmas and the machoism and, and all that, the warrior. Yeah, it's a tough sport. And I, and I think it should remain a tough sport. I don't think we should take that out of football. I think it's, that's beautiful actually. But I also think that there is a, a, a better way. And I, and I think we're getting there um, to portray that to our young men um, and, and young women to an extent, but majority for the young, the young, the young males and that play this sport. You touched on in your answer the effect of the coach and, of course, depending on if they're a little more the old school or new school, it can kind of influence the way that they perceive the the issue of mental health or, as you said, whether it's to them just maybe mental weakness or what have you. But and I know Dakota's mentioned this in a few of our interviews that we've done where – but it's not necessarily the job of the head coach per se – to monitor that while you know you, you hope that you can have that relationship with your coach and I've had plenty of head coaches that were so influential in my life outside of just the coaching that went on the X's and O's and what have you but uh, you know if you go to any program you have folks to you know take care of banged up knees and shoulders you have people there tutors and and mentors to be able to help if your grades are slipping a little bit and as you kind of mentioned it doesn't seem like for at least maybe some or perhaps it's all these schools that there are a, a wanting of funds to be able to allocate. It's just about allocating in the right spot. But is it also perhaps the case that just having, whether it's a, a student, uh, like a master's or graduate program um, student working on uh, a degree in, in psychology or social work or anything of that field, being able to work with, or, or someone from the community, being able to come in and work with the team just as uh, a physio or someone doing their their kin degree might come in and help out and just lend that support to take pressure off of the coaching staff, which we know is already inundated with just the pressures of managing a team of uh, any football team. Mm -hmm. No, you make a lot of good points. I mean, uh, definitely, it's it's not just the 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 role of the coach to to monitor the well being of their student athletes for sure. It takes an army to do that. And I think it's a really good idea for universities, um, if we're speaking at that level of, of amateur football, that they utilize what's available to them within their home, within their house. And that is using the other departments um, to have grad students, to have you know master students, uh, students who are completing internships, 
you know, partnering with the SAGEPs in Quebec, you know, partnering with the, the colleges, getting those kids in to work with these teams, it, you know, I think it would be valuable. Well, it would definitely be valuable experience for the, the person, the intern or the master student or whatever. Um, it's also super interesting. I mean, who doesn't want to work with sports? Well, maybe there's a few people who don't, but... <laughs> Um, I think it would be totally cool anyways, but I just think that, yes, they can, they can take the burden off of the, the program itself by using these other resources within their own university. Um, and, but again, it takes somebody to, to step out and say, listen, let's go outside of our athletic department and see who is willing to, to help us here. Now, I don't know what the logistics of that are and what kind of, you know, how that transfers over the credits and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I've always been somebody who hates uh, a, a really bad gatekeeper in the sense that they lock the doors because they're too scared to open the door. And, uh, and I've always been someone who doesn't see barriers. There's always a way to do something and it just may take more work, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. So I do. I think that there's a lot of resources that are available that um, just are outside of people's vision and they just need to look outside further and see what they can use. Well, then on that point of resources, because one of the things from going through the website is that you have a just ton of resources available as, as well as um, um, sorry, the names escape me right now is the, the peer uh, player peer program okay. mm-hmm. um, in putting this all together. What are some of the resources that you have uncovered or just come about that you think maybe either aren't being utilized or people don't know about that you think could really help uh, some young players get through their time playing football um, and as well the the what the player peer program is is aiming at doing sure yeah we are well on the on our site on tackle.org on the resource page there is um Right now, there's a free video video on there that the NCAA put together for coaches. Um, it's a YouTube video. And basically, it just is very basic general instruction on how to have conversations, how to ask open-ended questions, how to direct um, communication with your players to you know, open up those lines of, of communication regarding mental health. So, I mean, that's a, that's a quick thing. That's a quick fix. It's free. Just watch the video. Um, but there's other resources on there. The Living Works um, project that uh, that Kahari Jones works with, that's a suicide prevention company out of Calgary that offers online uh, training for uh, specifically geared towards um, somebody who may be having suicidal ideations or, or going down that path. And uh, I've taken the first basic course. It was 90 minutes long. It's an online course. It was like, I think it was like $27 or something like that. And um, I think it's just really good when somebody, when you can take courses like that, that are pretty cheap, um, don't take up a lot of your time. And it just, you know, you watch some videos, they have different modes of, of um, learning. So there's visuals, there's uh, audio, there's um, the vi- uh, videos, like I said, and you, you practice asking these questions. So you record yourself saying them. So there's, there's practical parts of the, the course. And um, I think that's a really great resource uh, just for anyone in general. I know there's some other courses. I think the Red Cross has a, um, a course that you can take similar to like a CPR course, um, you know, that deals with mental health. Um, I think that it would just be great to have uh, something that coaches or other people can go on that 
you know, they don't have to go to your university course to learn this stuff. Um, I think that anyone can have a conversation. No, it doesn't make you an expert and no, you're not going to diagnose people. That's not what it's for. Um, but I think that we can develop that. And, uh, so that's sort of what we're trying to do in the, in the background with tackle it in terms of, you know, we're working with, uh, or discussing with a company down in the States to help develop the mental uh, health modules, uh, called my playbook for the NCAA. And, um, so we're kind of, we're just discussing with them of how we can maybe start a pilot project or something like that up here. Um, the player peer program is really a, more of a long-term vision. Um, and that was more of, you know, using the university students to mentor in with the high schools or community teams around them. Um, I know that the voice program out of, uh, Alberta, um, University of Alberta, um, Colleen Puree, she runs, um, and she's doing that. She she mentors the the players on the teams um, and teaches them how to share their story, and then they go into the school, similar to like a bullying uh, programs that you see around in schools. So there's different um, initiatives that are already happening. The Buddy Up program through the Canadian um, Mental Health Association. They also have a, it's now it's geared more towards just the male population, not, not specifically sports, um, where they did a focus group of, I think it was 50 men. And they said, how do males talk to each other? How can we develop a, it's an infographic. So it's like a four step thing of how to have conversations between males. And it's very simple. And it's, it's a, you know, it's just general little things on how to allow people to to communicate better and specifically male, since that's the population that we're mostly dealing with. So I think that on, you know, on our website, we also have the whole list of um, sports psychologists association is on there. So you can go on there and find a, a resource or a, a clinician um, within your area. There's different, I've broken down the provinces for, you know, the crisis services that are available. So you can go and find those on there. It's all really clearly laid out. Um, some counseling services are on there. And then there's just some, you know, other really cool initiatives like the heads up guys, you know, and then um, Shay Emery's um, Wellman project, you know, his is on there. Like, so those, there's different things that you can look at to see what other people are doing, but yeah, the pure player peer room is, is it's down the road. It, it'll, it'll come. So I can't really speak too much about it uh, yet, but um, it'll be there hopefully, you know, maybe in a year or two. Well, no doubt uh, we can't wait to see that come to fruition. And, you know, it's so true what you mentioned about, you know, e even if we're not handing out degrees to folks, just the the simple, not, well, sometimes it's not so simple, but getting mm -hmm. out of the habit of asking or not asking open-ended questions. Because I find with a lot of guy friends, when you tr if you try to connect on that more personal, sometimes uh, emotional side, it's like, hey, man, you good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And it just moves on from there. Um, and then I'm, I'm guilty of doing that as much as the, 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 the next guy. So I'll, I'll, I'll end this on what I hope is, is more of an open-ended question. Uh, Katie, where can people find all these resources online, on socials? Where can they get in touch with you and all the great things that you and your team are doing right now? Yeah, so our website's tacklet.org. Uh, so you can go on there. It's pretty simple, easy to navigate around. Um, we are on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. It's, um, Twitter and Instagram are the same, at Tacklet, but without the, um, the A. And then Facebook is on there, uh, Tacklet, just the name. But um, I'm not always great on, on social media, getting stuff out there. You know, it's... <laughs> 
<laughs> if I get one thing out a week, it's good. So, um, but yeah, our, our, you can find the stuff on there and, um, but all of our videos that we do our tackle talks each month are on our website under the tackle talk. So you can take those YouTube videos and, you know, show them to your, your players, you know, Angus Reeds is, is fantastic. Well, they're all fantastic, but they're all on there. You know, we've had Kari Jones, Adam, Big Hill, um, Adrian, uh, geez, from the athletic Academy, Adrian's going to kill me Davis from Montreal, uh, Kelly Butler, you know, we have Jeff Cummins, who's out, who's, uh, tackle talk will be out on the 15th of February, head coach of Acadia. And, um, I just previously, I just recently recorded the March tackle talk with, um, Wally Bono. So that's all, they're all really awesome, um, videos to watch. They're about an hour long. Um, and I just think they're, it's just great for people to hear stories of other, um, you know, successful coaches and as well as the podcast, it's just really, um, that's on telling their stories and you can listen to those on any, anywhere, any platform that you listen to your podcasts on, as well as our website, they're all listed, listed there. Um, I think it just really helps everyone to, to build off of each other's experiences. Um, and I think that's what it's all about. And it's a continual thing. Like I said, from the start, it's not a day thing you know, with a hashtag, I think it really needs to have action behind it. And hopefully that, you know, you guys talking about this, you know, Rod Peterson has talked about it on his show, um, you know, our show, like I just, I, I'm encouraged to see more people picking up on it. I'm not being scared to, to talk about this stuff because it's not scary at all, you know, in terms of um, the stigma that surrounds it. It shouldn't be. I know that it is for a lot of people, but it shouldn't be. So, I mean, we're not scared about talking about cancer, are we? Well, maybe some people are. I shouldn't say that. But do you know what I mean? I'm just throwing it out there. No, absolutely. And, you know, we kind of joked earlier that, like, are we? how much are we helping talking about it? But the more we talk about it, if other people talk about it, then, as you said, that, that stigma and hope maybe that's just the first level. But if we can make any contribution to getting that step out of the way it'll only bring uh you know us further to whatever the solution or whatever the future that we want to see come to fruition for not just our young athletes but our communities our societies at large uh come to fruition uh so katie uh all the best with everything you're doing with tackle it it's so great when when you finish listening to this episode go look up tackle it go check out all those great interviews you have there um katie thank you so much for joining us all the best Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime.